we need to talk about ideas, good ones and bad ones. We need to learn stuff about the world. We need an honest, intelligent, thought-provoking, and entertaining review of what the hell happened on this planet in the last seven days. We need to sit back and listen to the Iron Fist and the Velvet Glove. Welcome back, dear listener. Episode 281 of the Iron Fist and the Velvet Glove podcast. Something a little bit different for you, uh, dear listener. If this is the first time you've tuned into our humble podcast... Normally, we uh, have a little panel discussion where we talk about news and politics and sex and religion, and there's normally a gang of privileged white men solving the problems of the world. On this occasion, um, th- three privileged white men sitting around solving a, spe- a specific problem. So I'm Trevor, a.k.a. the Iron Fist. With me on this occasion is my good friend, Des. Welcome aboard, Des. Thank you very much. Good to be here. Right. And Des is going to uh, talk to us about... Cannabis oil and the selling of it legally and what you need to know um, all about it. So that's the sort of topic of discussion amongst a bunch of other things that we'll probably get to. And also with me, as always, is Joe, the tech guy who's looking after our technical stuff. Welcome again, Joe. Evening all. Right. So we will be having a Zoom call in if you want to at some stage. Uh, Joe will put that up on the screen and you can uh, hit us with your questions. But um Dear listener, I've mentioned on a few t- occasions that uh, I play squash and uh, I've had a few different, you know, things in life where I've been a lawyer and I'm now selling art supplies and, you know, I've been around a little bit at 50, 6. <laughs> and uh, some of the most interesting people I've met have been people uh, I've met through squash. And Des, you are no exception to that rule. Um, so we were talking the other day and I said, well, I've got to get you on the podcast to talk about stuff. So you own a pharmacy and... Mm-hmm. Um, and it's an unusual pharmacy, and so we're going to get into the ins and outs of that. But the key sort of feature of it that I want to talk about is you're selling cannabis oil, right? We are at the moment, yes, and yeah. have been for the probably last three years. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, a booming business, the sale of cannabis, cannabis oil? Is it it's good? increasing. It's very competitive yeah. um, with that. We've uh, increasing our script volume only because I've worked out a system with regards to uh, dispense fees, yep. keeping them low so it's affordable for the patients. Right. Uh, where in mainstream pharmacy, they don't seem to be doing that. They're just putting on a big fee. Yeah. Uh, we're trying to keep it uh, low so uh, the patients can get the most out of it. Yeah. Uh, we're a non-PBS pharmacy, which means we don't get any money from the government. Right. Uh, so we do private prescriptions and compounding. 60% right. of our business is compounding. Yeah. Um, so with that, I thought it would be a good fit with medicinal cannabis it actually fits in with our integrative medicine model that we do do. Yep. Um, it's not all about medicinal cannabis because part of therapy is the overall whole approach uh, to it, not just taking a medicine of whatever it is. Yep. Um, so that's what we like to try and do at the practice there. Um, but with that, we have the it's, – it's getting – we're doing more and more script volume. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've had lots of discussions with a lot of the wholesalers out there because they liked what I was doing, like my model that I was doing. And, um, yeah, getting busier and busier just from people contacting me, reaching So how out. many wholesalers of cannabis oil are there out there? Oh, there's, there's lots and lots. Oh. Um, we deal with probably 10, but there's probably double or triple that. Um, with that, you can see them all on the um, OCD, Office of Drug Control uh, website. That's where right. all the licenses are given. Right. Or, or that's where they're displayed. Right. On all those that have the rights to import uh, or manufacture. Okay. So some of them are just importers. Yep. And some of them would be actually growing it here. Yes. And converting it. So over the three years that I've been involved, first mm. of all, there was all basically coming from overseas, mainly mainly Canada. Uh, it was mainly all being imported, mm. uh, which has its costs involved with that. So that's what keeps the price up that much higher. Right. And as more open up here and, and more product comes in, competition starts uh, happening more. Um, but also the last, oh, there's been some probably pr- producing here for probably two years, but now and over the next 12 months, most of those companies will have their own crops being harvested right here in Australia right. uh, and basically processed. Uh, so that will even bring the price down even more. And that can happen in any state? that They can grow it, right? They get the license? Yes, I don't know with the laws from each state to state, but I know in Queensland it's one of the... Uh, um, 
I guess, relaxed uh, um, with that. Not that it's easy to do. Um, there's a lot of things, hoops to uh, jump through, that's for sure. Right. When I've chatted with the wholesalers, there's a, there's a, a lot of uh, regulation out there. So the hard but part it is, possible. is the paperwork. Because mm-hmm. growing it, not that hard. Like, um, I don't know too much about that, but I've seen, I've chatted with the wholesalers. They're mainly all indoors, climate controlled. It's all automated. It's all computerized. It's it's quite it's, amazing. Right. <laughs> it's not a backyard job. And then because everything's got to be standardized, all the strains, it's all got to be tested. And the difference between what you get in a pharmacy versus what you get in the street is pharmaceutical grade. So yep. everything's been tried and tested. Um, we've had people... You know, users of people who buy stuff on the street, then they have uh, our different products. We've got lots of different wholesalers that we uh, use their products. Uh, and just the consistency yep. is probably the best word. So the yep. effects that they're getting from that versus something on the street could be high, low, all over the place. Yeah. Uh, pesticides, all sorts of different things, residues. Yep. Um, that's what makes a difference to pharmaceutical grade, getting that consistent uh, dose. So I had a friend who was buying stuff, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, because uh, his partner was having chronic back pain issues and he was indicating to me there was problems with consistency and you know, get a batch and you just don't know what you're going to get. And um, so so you're saying that people that you talk to in a similar circumstance are finding it worthwhile to pay the money to know what they're getting. As every month goes by, yes, because it's almost on parity with what street value is. Really? Yeah. So therefore, you know, you do have to pay for a doctor. Yeah and get the uh, script and TGA approval, but uh, price per milligram of cannabinoid is getting very close to that, and you're getting pharmaceutical quality. Right. Uh, so that's that's what's happening. So so then you're getting that quality of product, because we've had the a masterclass I was in at the start of the year, uh, there was a professor there, and they go and grab all these samples off the street and test them all. Right. And something that was supposed to be 100% CBD, so people go, oh, okay, I can drive on this. Mm-hmm. Had t- had lots amount of THC in it, yep. which it shouldn't be in there. With your stating that a product doesn't have any THC in it, yeah. Um, so there's all those, and you know, something saying it's high in THC when it could be low in THC, or the residues that are in there, yep. from all the fertilizers and other things that they're using and pesticides and stuff. Yep. So there's all those sort of issues. You better explain well. the CBD THC. Um, okay, component. So yep. uh, CBD or CBD is cannabidiol, mm-hmm. uh, and that's where you get the CBD. THC is the um, uh, uh, Delta 9, it's tetrahydro um, cannabinoid, mm-hmm. though where you get the THC from. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, they're the two main. There's hundreds of different um, cannabinoids. These yep. are the two main ones which have the most purpose. But when I say that, you, these don't work well, and you, there's studies out there which show that CBD isolate does not work as well as a CBD full spectrum. So when I say full spectrum, that's when it's got all the other terpenes, flavonoids and that in there. Mm-hmm. That's what gives the uh, cannabis oil its uh, uh, aroma and taste. Yep. Um, they're all the terpenes, and they what called is a entourage effect. Yep. So if the THC is giving you the psychedelic or psych, what do you call it? Psychoactive. Psychoactive sorry. effects, yep. yep. Um, so what you're selling... Does it have THC in it? It does. Right. So what we have, so do you want me to go through what products, like what the forms they come in, I guess, might be the best yeah, way to help so people? Yeah, just so people know what's... Um, because basically... There's probably, there's probably an, a thought that all medical cannabis oil was probably not going to have a... a um, a psychoactive compound in it. No, people it, would be thinking you're not going to get high on it. No, they they can, and people do if they get their dosage wrong. Right. Um, to try and talk about what, uh, with regards to cannabis oil or the dried, so we have dried flour yep. uh, in different grades. So something that's high in THC, low in CBD, yep. all the way through to sort of equal, all yep. the way through to so they grow and they strain, they get the various strains this way. Uh, all the way down to something that's high in CBD and low in THC. Yep. Uh, and it's something that they um, uh, vape. They don't smoke as such. Um, and there's different in combustion there, which different health benefits. Right. So you sell the stuff that people vape as yeah. well as oil, right? Yeah, okay. so it's, it's dried. And that's common. I've learned a fair bit in the last little while because I've never mm. been in right. into uh, cannabis at all. Yep. Uh, tried it once, I think, when I was 17. That was it for me. Never touched it. Right. Just since. briefly, my mm. understanding of vaping is... If you're not a smoker and you're not used to inhaling smoke, it's really awkward. And vaping just 
doesn't create a smoke, but it releases the vapor. The, the oils they uh, vaporize yeah, yeah. up, and then you can breathe so them you in. Breathe it in as a vapor, and you're not getting that smoky coffee. And sort that's of thing. the difference between smoking it, which they say has a lot of the the I guess bad effects associated with smoking marijuana, yeah. if we want to call it that. Um, is those other toxic chemicals that come out through the high combustion in smoking versus vaping. Yeah. It all comes down to temperature. Yep. Um, yep. And there's a difference in what vaping machines that you're actually using as well. Okay, let's go back to oil. Yep. So um, so you do have – people are getting THC, yep. which is going to give them a little bit of a high or – I guess the problem is here – What's average? What's normal? Sort of thing. Um, and I'm, I'm. If you could take my, I'm, I'm keen on people with a chronic back pain. Is the mm-hmm. sort of person I have in mind as somebody who could use this yep. sort of stuff. And I'm just trying to think of what's typical for somebody like that to experience if they're going to go through this path All of right. legal. So if we yep. were doing doing that, let's just say what thought processes could be happening, mm. how they could be dosing and getting their medication, mm. uh, their medicinal cannabis. So starting from scratch, it is a TGA-approved uh, process, so you've got to get a TGA approval because these medicines are all mainly well, they're unregistered mm. uh, at the moment. They will become registered over time as more studies and evidence come out from their wholesalers, put everything together to the TGA to say, yes, you can now treat it for this, this, and this, and that. Uh, at the moment, that's why you've got to go through the TGA to say, look, my patient has this. Yep. Uh, is it on the approved list for that? Yes, it's, it's okay to be able to treat it with this. Um, and then they have to have at least tried the mainstream medications for that disease state. Yep. Uh, so that's a tick in the box to say yes. Like um, We ask people if that, that's one of the first questions. And if they say, I don't want to try mainstream medications, but you yep. have tried, yes, well, that's a tick still. Okay. Uh, even if they've tried it in the past, they may not have to be on it now. Yep. Just to prove that they have because that's – Part of the process of TGR, so okay. So something like endone or something. If yep. they say, yep. I've so tried endone about and pain. Yep. either I don't like it or it doesn't work for me, and they go, yep. okay, you've tried that, now you're – and for whatever reason it's not suitable, now you're uh, – most there will be doctors that say, okay, now you're good to try yeah. cannabis oil. Yeah, so yep. uh, you know, something like that could be on um, endone, Lyrica, gabapentin, mm-hmm. emetriptyline, all these other pain-type medications, mm-hmm. uh, which in that case we don't say, <gasps> stop, it's all about titrating medicinal cannabis up to yeah. be able to get a see, a, see uh, a symptom relief. Once you've got that, and this is all done under um, with your help of your pharmacist and your doctor, only a mm. doctor for that, but the pharmacist can mm. give advice, um, is basically then titrating their other pain medications down. Yep. And they may be able to bring them right down and come off them completely or reduce them right down. And would people typically do this through their normal GP or do they normally end up at some specialist... Cannabis doctor somewhere. There are like, specialised medicinal cannabis clinics, but yeah. you can do this through your GP. Yeah, but typically what would happen? Do you see many sort of ordinary suburban GPs just dabbling in it, or more, do the people tend to go to a specialist? More and more uh, dabbling or interested in it. Okay. Whether they then refer them on to like a specialist clinic. Mm. Uh, we have our own clinic uh, with medicinal cannabis as part of our integrated medicine, but mm. they're all, there's plenty of other clinics out there as well. Yeah. Um, I guess the advantage of that is that these doctors know their way around the TGA. They've got templates. They know it's all set up. Some are even authorised prescribers, which mean they don't have to do the um, uh, the TGA approval anymore because they've done so many of them. They've applied for special um, uh, status to say that I understand this medication, this disease state. So now they can then go and just write this, write the prescription right. because they've now got authorised pres- prescriber status and every six months they just report back saying how many they've prescribed and right. you know they may get an audit at some time or something like that. But that's that by going to the clinics, it's a faster process because they're experts, they know yeah. about it. But your GP can do it. It's just it might take them an hour to try and work out all the paperwork that's associated yeah. with it and you, you'll, you'll still walk out of there without a script. Um, it does take because it's maybe, a two-stage process yeah, with them. So you've got yeah. to apply for the TGA. Mm. You've mm. got to get all that, tick all the boxes, and then if if the TGA reply back and say no, rejected, or please provide more information. Yeah. So the doctor will have to provide more. Then it then will get approved, yeah. hopefully, uh, and then the doctor will write the script. So then you have to go back and see the doctor, get the script. Then you've got to go to the pharmacy, yep. order it, get it dispensed. So it's a bit of a process. Yep. Okay. So I've got chronic back pain. I've been through the process. So. You've got this 
CBD and you've got this THC, yep. the latter one giving you the high. Mm-hmm. Uh, does the proportion? Were you talking about the proportion changing over time? As you, uh, why would you necessarily be on a high proportion of one rather than the other? And is that right. is that going to change? So, so, so with those, and you look at how both of them work. Um, THC tends to work on CB1 receptors. There's CB1, CB2. There's a lot of other receptors, but they're the main ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, THC works on CB1 and a little bit on CB2, um, and CB2 mainly is is CBD. Um, uh, so that's where they tend to work. And the CB1 is more in the, uh, central nervous system. Uh, and that's where the THC is very helpful in getting into there and helping with pain. Right. Uh, it's not that CBD is not good with pain. It is good with pain, but it's more to do with the periphery and the, um, immune function. Right. So say somebody with highly inflamed arthritis, that it is painful, but it's an immune function. Yep. They would really benefit from a combination of both THC and CBD. Yep. Um, and over time, and the whole thing is starting on low doses. So it's not like everyone's sitting there. Um, you know, I got told at a, at a class that I went to that it's, it's equivalent to a joint is like 20 times as strong as what someone's dosing in medicinal cannabis. Right. Uh, the doses are lower. Uh, so they're not flooding the receptors straight away. We're starting low, titrating up. The dose might change every two to three days by a very small amount. Mm. That way you're going to get less side effects happening and you're mainly getting the side effects from the THC. A lot of people don't notice too much on the CBD, the side effects. Yep. Um, and that's, we mainly get the side effects as in someone's titrated too quickly. So they are getting that euphoric effect and they go, I don't feel right. I feel a bit strange. Yeah. Um, especially, in, you know, someone who is, is elderly, who is, we've got a fair few elderly patients on this and are doing really well now. Mm. Um, but at first it's hard for them to titrate because it's not like doctor just said, take one capsule and that was it. This is titrating the dose up to see what works for you. Yeah. Uh, depending on your uh, disease state and what's yep. happening. So we've had Frank here on the podcast who is from one of the legalized hemp groups and one of his um, stories was about just how expensive it is for people who are getting the legal version as opposed to the illegal version. <coughs> so you've already mentioned that um, with the illegal versions there's a problem of consistency. I guess if people were growing their own though, they could start to get a feel of consistency for whatever they're growing themselves if they're growing the same plant all the time. I don't know. But um they possibly I don't yeah. know not much yeah. about I don't know anything about growing, but yeah. what I have been told is, you know, different strains do do and I guess when people mm. are into it, they're into it, they know what yeah. they're doing. Mm. But I've been I've been told like you can get a different strain which really grows well and it grows it's to its fullest extent indoors versus something that's outdoors versus yeah. all the different weather environments. So it can make yep. a difference. Yeah. But yeah, that is a bit beyond me. Yeah. I don't know much about that. Now, this next question is going to be like, how long is a piece of string? <laughs> Which is the question, how much does it cost somebody to to be on this? You know, what's a, what is it? You know, I've got chronic back pain, so I need a, a, a hit at night time yep. to help me sleep. And not, you know, that's the main sort of thing, I guess. So what, um, what what are people facing in dollar terms? A couple of years ago, it was mm. five to seven hundred dollars a month for the just yeah. the basic. It was just really expensive. It's come down a lot because there's a lot more competition. A lot more products have entered the market. Yeah. Uh, in that time, like our cheapest uh, product we do for a forty ml bottle is probably, uh, I think it's eighty nine dollars uh, for forty ml bottle of something like a, yep. a twenty milligram per mil of a CBD. Um, and how We've long got that it down last? to about six, seven cents per milligram of cannabinoid. So, how would I say that? Say something contains a hundred milligrams of CBD per mil, and it's a thirty mil bottle. That's got three thousand uh, milligrams of cannabinoid. So then you could times that by six cents to get a rough feel on how much it is. But the, it all comes down to dose. Yeah. Uh, someone on uh, an epileptic is going to take a lot higher dose yep. versus uh, somebody else uh, who is going to get uh, relief basically on a lot lower dose. So that's why yeah. it's titrating. Yeah. Titrating up, getting symptom relief. After a while, they yep. might be able to come down, say, a yep. third of the dose down a bit just to see how that goes for the, them as the, well. The $89 bottle you mentioned. Yep. How long is that going to last me if I'm – and I know it's – a difficult question because everybody's different. Yep. But would you say I, I wouldn't be surprised if that lasted you 
two weeks, four weeks, like say so something, something like like it, it all comes down to dosing. That's yeah. a twenty milligram per mil. We see a lot of people on at least one mil twice a day with that. Right. So forty mil bottle, twenty day supply. Right. Yep. Okay. Uh, uh, there's a lot of um, um, health insurance companies yeah. uh, that is giving some rebates back now on that than they weren't before, but now yeah. we're noticing a lot of our patients are getting uh, being able to claim back from the right. medical insurance. Yep. So that's a good thing. Yep. Um, it all comes down to quality of life. Mm. What I'm seeing is compared to mainstream medications, which may get covered under concession and be cheap and only pay very little, it's the side effect profile, it's the quality of life yep. that enables them to do more, so therefore they're willing to pay more for it. Mm. And that's that's the... Um, the sweet spot with regards to all this is finding what works for you yep. because we do have people that say, look, I'm sick of the side effects that the mainstream medication is giving me. Yep. I'm now not only being able to get my pain under control, but when you've got your pain under control um, and because of medicinal cannabis is what I call multinodal, mm-hmm. it works on various receptor systems in the body, mm-hmm. unlike just one receptor system if you're trying mm-hmm. to just target pain. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of other things in the body that just get better. So, therefore, your quality of life gets better. And how do you really put a price on that? I know you can, but (laughs) it's it's, it's hard. So, for some people, you could have an $89 bottle that lasts you a couple of weeks at least. So, like, that's less than what you're spending on coffee. And, obviously, there are going to be other people with chronic pain or other issues where that's just nowhere near enough. Exactly, um, which could be hundreds of dollars a month for them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, with with that. Um, And that Mm. is the price. Like, we are – I'm I'm quite happy. uh, I tell people we've got a set dispense fee. Yeah. It's set. I tell people that's how much I buy it in. We're not yeah. making loads of money. Mm. At the end of the day, it's $30 for the first bottle, $5 for the second. That's it. Yep. A lot of pharmacies are charging $50, $60 per yep. bottle as a dispense fee. Yeah. Um, if the product costs me $100 to buy in or 300 I charge mm. the same dispense fee. Yeah. So it doesn't matter with regards to that. So I'm trying to get it to the patient so mm. they, it can be more affordable for them. Mm. Um, and, and your patients are saying, the ones who have been buying stuff illegally are saying, mm-hmm. really, I'm kind of getting to the point here where it's matching the the street price that's what i've heard because right. i'm not on the street buying it yes. i don't know but that's what i've been told <laughs> yeah. uh with that so yeah. i can and mm. i can only believe those that are telling me with regards to that information mm. who mm. do have their nose to the ground with regards to uh to to that mm. um but it's um and if something's like that then you are then getting that pharmaceutical grade the difference in quality has yep. to make a big difference then yep. and some people go well it is if you haven't had that disease well if you haven't been diagnosed with a disease state haven't tried any other medications it's harder to get your hands on therefore people will go to the black mm. market to do yeah. it then but having a uh, professional care under a doctor especially one that does know their way around medicinal cannabis yeah uh definitely does make a difference yeah uh with that because mm. uh there's a lot of different things that just do get better yeah and you were saying that personally for you if if it was legalized people could grow it themselves really wouldn't affect your business that much. You feel that people will want the monitoring and they will want the consistency and they'll want the whole sort of advice package that comes with it. I'm so not saying don't... everyone. There's yeah. always the other people yeah. who go off and do their own thing because yeah. it all comes down to uh, education. Uh, some people are really switched on. Mm. I'm quite amazed at how much people do know, um, the patients, uh, and there's others that don't know anything and they, they're looking for that advice. Mm. Um and other things that they can do to help their uh, therapy. Mm. Uh, and that's where you can get that advice from a health professional mm. um, and and maybe get it right the first time rather than um, trial and error mm. because you've heard of something or thought you'd give something a try. Um, just with tri- um, uh, trial and error, that can take you a bit longer to get to your therapeutic yep. um, approach where you want to get to, uh, to be able to get symptom relief. Yep. Um, but yeah, definitely having uh, pharmaceutical grade uh, versus some that you don't know is 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 what the quality is, uh, and also just the advice from a pharmacy point of pharmacist point of view, but also from a doctor as well, especially mm. those that are keyed up in it. Yep. And because it's not, I like to see uh, there's a lot of clinics out there that that's all they're selling is just medicinal cannabis. That's all they're doing. Yep. I don't think it's uh, it definitely helps a lot of things, but it's not just take this and. Everything will get better. Yep. It's a, I believe it's a combination with uh, diet and lifestyle and stress and lots of other things that, yep. that build up uh, this whole yep. um, uh, care. I'm going to yeah. throw Joe under a bus here. 
text just before you arrived and I was explaining what we're going to be talking about. And Joe, you said something to the effect of, well, does the medical evidence really back up the therapeutic claims? Like you were a bit sort of, because you just said, well, it does work, you know, to some extent. Is, yep. is, is there a consensus of scientific opinion that, that um, cannabis oil works is that the consensus like climate change or is there a divided scientific community mm. on this issue i think it's still divided because mm. you do have uh i guess professionals that are saying this is the way that medicine is mm. what's this thing that's coming in it's been there for a long time as such but now that it's legalized to be able to use it mm. A lot of doctors are on the slow uptake until they see a patient go away from them, then come back and go, okay, what's happened to you? And then they want to get more involved. Right. Usually it comes from a family member themselves or another patient or a patient of theirs has gone away and come back. Right. That gets them more involved because they just either don't want to believe it. Um, it's easy to say there's not enough studies. There's lots of studies worldwide. Yep. We're doing a lot here in Australia. There's probably about 30 or 40 on the go right now in Australia. Right. Um, that's getting more and more evidence towards these disease states. But it's really interesting, the list of disease states that do well out of it. It's not just targeting one disease state. Right. So if you want to find a, a scientific paper that denounces it and says it doesn't work, you'll, oh, you'll, you'll always find, find that. <laughs> okay. But you're going to find a heap that say it does. Yes. And, yeah, okay. yeah. and more and more over time, I think, because... Mm. We couldn't study it before. Mm. Now we can study it. So that's why the studies are a little bit behind with regards to that because timing, yep. it takes time to do this. Yep. Uh, and to do a good study, you want a fair amount of time. Mm. Uh, so, you know, they go with the ones that are overseas, bring them in. Then for some reason, every country in the world has to do their own studies mm. uh, to prove that something works. Um, so we're doing all the studies here mm. um, and they'll all be coming out over the next yep. probably three to five years. Yep. And that's when we'll probably see more of these uh, medicinal cannabis products get registered with the TGA yep. as opposed to being not registered at the moment. Okay. So pharmacies dishing out this stuff are a dime a dozen. They're everywhere. <laughs> but um, your place is a little unique, Des, because you've got a robot. <laughs> we have got a robot. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us about the robot. So the robot, it uh, we've had it now probably installed for about two to three months. Um, it definitely makes a massive difference to our workflow. Uh, we hopefully will be the first uh, community pharmacy to be certified to store and uh, dispense S8s, so control substances, uh, like endone and medicinal cannabis and things like that, yep. um, from the robot. So we'll be the first. There's a couple of hospitals that can, are currently doing S8s via the robot. Yep. Otherwise, it's illegal to do so. So we'll be... We've had to jump through a lot of red tape to be able to do that and it's going to make it worthwhile for streamlining of processing all our scripts. Um, but the robot's just, because we're in a little pharmacy in the city, we're double story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you want to say where you are while we're at it? Yeah, we're yeah. at uh, My Life, My Health Compounding Pharmacy and Medical at 157 Wickham Terrace yeah. in Spring Hill. Um, and so we're a two-level uh, business, uh, basement and ground ground level. And so we're only, only tiny compared to the big box pharmacies. Uh, so our robots, uh, it's called Wilma, is down in the basement, uh, and we have our dispense system called Fred, so Fred and Wilma. Um, and so uh, we have a system of uh, lifts and conveyors that link all together between upstairs and downstairs, five dispense pods that uh, people can be dispensing at, and it all comes from the from the robot. So this mechanical arm just travels up and down these narrow corridors. You'll have to grabbing, come in and have a look, because a lot of stuff. people just think it's this thing with arms, but right. basically it's like a shipping container. It's got a conveyor belt we, with a scanner. It scans everything in. It knows what that product is. It's the only time you use the barcode after that. Uh, and basically the robot goes and picks it up, puts it on a shelf. It knows where, where all, the, all the size of the shelves, all the spacings between it all. It's so yeah. super fast. It just whizzes around. Yeah. And it goes and places a product. Goes, goes so basically puts all your stock away for you. It cleans the shelves for you, does date checks, does everything else like that, which right. my staff don't do because <laughs> um, uh, no one likes doing it. But uh, so it does all that for you. Uh, it can do ordering uh, for you as can well down the track. When you're, when you're in the pharmacy as a customer, can you see it? We've got it on a big screen right. uh, that they can see. They can't actually because it's down in the basement, right. but there's a yeah. camera there that they can see. Yeah. Yeah, so they can see that in action, and then um, all of a sudden you hear the lift take off. So it, yeah. dro it drops it onto a conveyor from the robot when you yeah. go to dispense it. Yeah. Uh, once the dispense label gets printed, the robot looks for the product. 
it'll go and put it on a conveyor belt. There's two conveyor belts. One goes to the um, dispense pods downstairs. The other one goes directly to the lift. It's a very fast lift. It shoots it straight up to the conveyor upstairs. Uh, And then there's a couple of different arms. So it all depends on which spiral you're working from. And then it pushes it off to that spiral. Down it comes. You grab it, scan the barcode then to make sure it's the right product with a dispense label. Check it all. Right. So your staff just stand there, plug it all in and comes down to them and... Yep. Your uncle. So it's Amazing. more face-to-face dispensing. Yep. Forward dispensing mm. is still talk to the to the patient while mm. they're there rather than have to search for shelves and to search for things. You can right. see what stock levels you've got. Right. Yeah, it's very, it, it is really efficient. I'm, I have, right. I'm glad I got it, even though COVID hit at the time, but the government's yep. giving us some uh, bit yep. of tax relief with that, so it's quite good. Yes. Is it German-made, is it? It is German-made. Yep, right. BD Rower. There we go. Okay. Yep. Uh, and people then can just um, drive through and pick up. <laughs> we do have a drive-through, yep. yep. Uh, that one day will hopefully be a robotic. Uh, so they scan a barcode or a PIN number and then uh, their product will be released to them. Yep. Uh, at the moment, it's just all done by a human, by a lab techs down in the lab. Then yeah. we press a buzzer. Uh, it's all got to be pre-arranged. So yeah. basically you've ordered it, you paid for it all, we've right. counselled them, we send them a text to say when it's down there, yep. they just come through and uh, and pick it up. Yeah. Now, just getting back to the a cannabis um, prescription, though, if somebody wants that, you can actually post it to them? Yes. Like, that's illegal to go through the post system. Yeah, so courier, it's all got to be signed for. Okay. Um, so so not, it's, right. it's not, can't be just general post. Okay. It's got to be ex, uh, express signature post, so tracked. Right. Uh, so as long as it's tracked, it's fine. It's been a little bit hard with COVID because yep. uh, they have been left at some places which the patients aren't happy about. Yep. But because of COVID, people are saying, well, we won't get you to sign for it. Yeah. So I'll be glad when all that is finished because it just does make it a little bit safer sending it through the post that way yeah. um, with signatures, uh, with tracking. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's that's all fine with, with, with that. Amazing, Des. Okay, I'm ready to move on to a slightly different topic. Mm-hmm. It's still within your pharmacy. Uh-huh. If I do go there, are you going to give me some weird keto coffee or something? Is it? Is it? Uh, I can do if you want a keto coffee. We do general normal coffees as well. Right. Yep. What's a keto coffee? Okay, and keto what's coffee. Yep. Is a blend of we had, we do grass fed unsalted grass fed butter, MCT oil with medium chain triglyceride oil made from coconut oil, um, and we have a blend of amino acids. Right. This all come together through through bulletproof is basically where uh, the idea stemmed from, and I thought mm, I wouldn't mind trying to make that. This is a fair few years ago. We had amino acids as part of our keto program, and then the barista and I were mucking around and let's put the amino acids into the mix. And it just happens to be two of the amino acids just happen to be a sweet amino acids. Right. So they actually make the coffee taste so much better. And that's why our keto coffees are the best keto coffee anywhere, I think, hands okay. down. So rather than milk, it's yep. an oil. It's a shot of keto. It's basically a shot of coffee or two shots of coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, we have our, we do that. Do it in 20, 30, 40, 60 grams if you game. Yeah. And I would not this, say to go with 60 grams straight up. Yeah. That's the amount of fat you're having. So you're having... In that fat mix, it's basically, like I said, unsalted grass-fed butter, MCT oil, blended together with the amino acids. And that's scooped out in, say, 20 grams for our general keto right, coffee. Right. Popped in, filled up with water, and then basically through our um, Nutribullets, it's um, emulsified on there and it goes nice and frothy. It okay. looks as if and it's it, got milk in it. It looks like milk. Yep. And tastes kind of reminiscent of milk. Tastes awesome. We've got people who <laughs> right. are coffee drinkers and they just prefer the keto coffees. Right. Okay. Even though they're not doing keto. Right. Yep. Wow. And the healthy fats are all good for you. There's nothing wrong with butter, nothing right. wrong with MCT oil. Uh, and we've got a, right. a lot of supporting studies out there with that because we've been wrong yeah. um, uh, with our dietary okay. advice with a lot of things like, like that. Well, this is the interesting thing. Like um, we've, I was telling you before that on this podcast, we've had some big arguments over things like COVID lockdowns and whether they work or not. Mm-hmm. And it's quite annoying that the science is divided on this to the extent it is. I, I think it's relatively strongly in favour of lockdowns being appropriate. But there's a significant number of seemingly well-credentialed scientists who will say the complete opposite to a number of other well-credentialed scientists about what should happen. And uh, I'm a big fan of Sam Harris, and he makes the point when it comes to diet Mm -hmm. that despite all of the efforts of medical science for generations, we still don't have a scientific consensus on what a good diet is. It's so hard to do a gold standard, you know, placebo-blinded study 
you'd have to lock people up in a room, which mm. you can't do that anymore. Mm. Right. <laughs> lock them up and feed them certain things and see what happens. Yeah. It's just not possible. And to control all the other factors out there mm. and to get most of them are basically done with answer a set of questions. What did you eat over the last week, months, six months? How can you ever remember most of the time? Yeah. Um, so I don't like the way they're done. I like to just look at biochemistry, really, biochemistry mm. markers. What... Uh, with disease states, what are those markers showing when it's worse and when it's better? Mm. And if you've got a diet that can influence that uh, to show that that's what you're looking at with regards to health and longevity, and if you've got a diet that can... One diet makes that worse, one diet makes it better, that's quite good, and there's a lot of lot more evidence coming out with regards to... A, I'd probably say more lower carb. There is keto side of things, but lower carb, just getting that inflammation down, processed foods down, mm. is a big step without going yep. oh, vegan, paleo, and all the other movements that are yep. out there. Yep. If all those groups just get their carbs down uh, and eat more natural sources, yep. everyone's health would be better, and then you can go off into your different things okay. if you want to go even so, further. So is keto just an extreme form of low carb? Yes, yeah, so you've got to be at least 20 to 30 grams of carbs a day to get into ketosis. Right. Um, and the I like what's called cyclic uh, keto. So basically you are cycling carbs in. You're actually going then into ketosis. Say over a week uh, you might do that. You're just planning your day. So a lot of people might do intermittent fasting two days a week. In that time they'll fall into ketosis. There's parts where you can actually do extended fasting, mm. uh, say five to seven days. I don't like much more than that. I think the gut needs food. Yeah. Um, uh, but that is definitely beneficial for the autophagy effects that you get from that. Yeah. And there's lots of uh, guy won a Nobel Award back in, I think, 2016 for autophagy. There are different phases of autophagy as well. You can get it just from doing a, a say, a 16-hour fast. But I think you get the more beneficial effects when the full spectrum of um has been unlocked the potential when you're probably getting into three to five day fasting uh the Yikes. different Just, it's hold, actually easy when you get into ketosis right yeah hold that for a mm-hmm. moment do you want to put up on zoom if people want to oh, zoom, the, the zoom details are up. Oh, okay if, if anybody wants to zoom in with a question about anything we've been talking about feel free to zoom in and have a chat to us so so what does ketosis mean? What is So your body's is- producing ketones. So right. say, let's take a fat. Mm-hmm. Um, from your fat, you've got your triglycerides. Uh, so your fatty acids, they're made up of um, uh, glycerol and your fatty acids. Fatty acids go and get made up into your uh, ketones and your uh, glycerol, two of those join together to form glucose. So you don't actually need to eat carbs for your body to make carbs. Right. If you're uh, carb fueling, your body won't make ketones. Right. Okay. And some people say, oh, you know, for starvation and things like that. It is in a way, but it's a trained uh, as opposed to not being able to eat because someone's starving you. Right. Uh, there is a method around it. And knowing what uh, processes in your body that you're switching on and switching off. Mm. Um, um, so anabolic processes, calabolic processes, as in anabolic building up, catabolic building, building down which is what happens when you're in autophagy, your body will go through and search for all these useless cells, really, that aren't doing much good. They're, they're the, on the lower rank. Uh, you've got all the good ones uh, outperforming them. They basically, the body goes and scavenges and goes and eats all those and recycles them, in, right. in a better term, so, uh, for energy. So on a weekly basis, are you planning out this sort of fasting and and changing of diets? In a Not as much as what way? I used to, right. uh, but basically... I don't eat breakfast maybe once a week. I eat breakfast. So I do fast right. through to lunch every day. Right. Um, and then with that, it's trying to explain. I try and say to people, it's all about your biochemistry. Mm. If you can eat certain foods to get your biochemistry to do a certain way, that's what I'm about. Not a certain type of diet. And that's what low-carbon keto happens to, happens to do. Um, by doing that, you set up a cascade of really beneficial pathways in the body. Let me just say eating lots of high-carb processed food sets up the cascade of inflammation and all our inflammatory disease states that we have today. Mm. You can reverse that within a week, within a week, which is amazing. No Mm. other medicine can do that, Mm. Uh, and I'm a pharmacist. Um, It's quite interesting. Um, 
Some people find it hard to do because if, if you're a high carb eater and all of a sudden you go, you stop eating carbs and you're just concentrating eating on protein, veggies and fats, mm-hmm. your body, because you've set your enzyme system up, your bacteria system up, or your receptors, they're all set up to do a certain thing. Yep. And then all of a sudden you want them to change. Yep. That takes time. How long? Oh, usually anywhere between a week to two weeks. Okay. And also what we find also, we, on a program that we have, a keto program, we give people uh, the enzyme fuel to help their enzymes start making the ketones for them, BHB, beta-hydroxybutyrate. We actually give them beta-hydroxybutyrate for the first 10 days. Right. It's... Just to kick them along. Yeah. Their body's got some in their system. Mm. It's getting used to it because Mm. that... It's very hard because your body has to use up all the glycogen. Mm. There's a lot of processes happening mm. and you are heading. I like to have like a, a say, a, a linear line. You've got glucose fueling at one end, keto in the, in, at the other. They're opposites of each other. Yep. In the middle, you've got that Passover point. And people over that 10-day period go to Passover that point. Some people go, oh, I'll just have a little muesli bar. It's healthy, isn't it? It kicks you back into the glucose fueling. Right. You'll feel good for half an hour, but then you'll feel crappy again. So right. you're moving away from your target. Your target, mm. you should have eaten probably a chunk of cheese mm. or a bit of protein, and you'll head more towards the keto, which is where you want to be. Once you hit ketosis, mm. it's quite amazing the, uh, the feeling that you have in your body. Your brain switches on, your body stops aching. That's why this actually revs up the endocannabinoid system, which mm. we're talking about tonight. Yeah. Um, uh, through processes with that, because you've got an endocannabinoid system, you've got all these receptors, mm. and by switching on these different pathways in the body, that's what's happening. Yeah. So the whole keto theory, is it again, just like with the cannabis theory, are there a bunch of scientists who say this works, and there's another bunch who say this is just doesn't work at all, like it's another divided profession type of thing? It is with that, because mm. how do you, if you've been saying something for so long as this, mm. How do you suddenly change your mind? And I'm quite happy to look at the research that's out there mm. and change my views as I see the research changing. But there's uh, some professionals out there that just won't change it mm. no matter what um, because they've been doing it for so long. How do you actually then say I was wrong? Mm. You don't want to say you were wrong. You were looking at research back then, but then you stopped looking at other research. Um, it's, it's a hard one for professionals. I see that. Another one is industry. Uh Cannabis industry, if you're a specialist that's backed by some other big pharmaceutical company, you're going to keep wanting to talk about that pharmaceutical company. Um, Cannabis just happens to um, get people reducing their dose of a lot of mainstream medications um, under their guidance with their doctor, Mm. um, but it has that potential as well, depending what the medication is. Yeah. Um, but also it's, with... It's a challenge with, to the existing power structures. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is. That's mm-hmm. what I, I definitely see that. Mm-hmm. And I definitely see that in in uh, politics with regards to the food industry. Look at the food industry that they subsidise. It's all that subsidy that is basically going into making us fat, as far as I'm concerned, with the high-carb processed foods. Mm-hmm. And that's all the grain-based industry and everything else like that. It is quite a big industry that's going into making those processed foods and it's all subsidised. And it definitely makes it cheaper. Mm. Uh, trying to go back to fresh, organic if you can, but less processed possible. Mm. Uh, veggies, protein, uh, good healthy fats. Mm. Uh, that's the basis of, of, of healthy, healthy living for the mm. body to function. Mm. So um, uh, just a question here. Can you put name of Des's business and website up, please? Yes, I'll do that. In the show notes, there'll be a link. Um, so we'll do that again. Um, uh, what else do we want to get through at all? Um, do you have any questions coming from any of this? Nobody wants to zoom in by the sounds of things as yet? Not seeing so, anyone. Yeah, that's good. Uh, well, do we want to still go through the THC CBD? Because you did ask mm-hmm. me. I don't think we got to answer that totally. Mm-hmm. So we have the dried products have different amounts of THC and CBD. We have yes. products that have all THC and very little CBD as in oils. Yep. We have oils that have high THC and low CBD. And there's some people that because of driving, they don't want to use THC because it is illegal to drive with THC in your, in your system. Yep. Even though that's all being spoken at, at the moment, um, but it hasn't changed yet. Hopefully in time, it's all about impairment. Uh, they're saying if you had a, a dose within four hours, you're pretty well impaired to drive. Uh, over in of Canada, THC of the THC. Right. CBD is fine. Okay. Uh, so when it's not psychoactive. Are, when people are tested um, at a roadside drug test, yep. 
it's testing just for THC. THC. It doesn't test for CBD. No, no. So THC is a psychoactive. That's why they're interested in that because that can impair your driving. Um, But it's, you know, like alcohol, you can test for alcohol. Have you got alcohol on your breath? But what limit, what Mm. amount do you have in there? And that's Mm. a bit like THC. Unfortunately, I don't think they can test for that at the moment. It's either there or not. Right. Uh, I know in Canada they've got, if you have your dose the night before, you can drive the next day. Um, because you're not impaired the next day if you had the dose the night before, um, yep. but it's still in your system. Yeah. So if you had one dose right now, it'd be in your system for probably one to three days. If you're consistently dosing, you'd have to stop for, and depending on your size of your body, because it is highly mm-hmm. lipophilic, so it goes into fat, yep. uh, you could stay in your body up to up to seven to ten days, and that's yeah. a long time. Yeah. Uh, so you could still get done 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 for that ten days after you had your last dose. Yeah. So it is an issue for a lot of people. I see people that do have to drive for living and that. It's really hard uh, for that, but also see other people that just go, quality of life beats this. So I'm not going to drive because I need the THC to have my quality of life. Mm. And that's up to the person. We've seen people that go, I do not want THC. And the doctor goes, because if someone's trying to treat pain, CBD is good for pain, but THC is better. And having a balance of that is good. Mm. So we see people move from CBD. They say, oh, I'm feeling some effects, but not full effects. So therefore to go on some THC will definitely help. Mm. Uh, They do act with each other i from a master class i did at the start of the year the best thing that i got from it was thc you've got inflammatory cytokines in the body um so there's interleukin one two six i think there's eight oh 15 17 and 23 they're your inflammatory ones Uh, and your um your anti-inflammatory ones are 10 11 and 13 so you can test these uh cytokines they're inflamed in the body those uh, inflamed ones that I said. So THC in pain, it's highly inflamed. So THC helps bring those down, mm. right? And what CBD does is bring up those good ones that I said, uh, 10, 11, and 13. Right. So by bringing up that balance, and that's what that's what the endocannabinoid system is called, endocannabinoid um, tone. Um, so it's about tone being balanced. So most people who have some sort of uh, chronic disease state or something – their body's not in balance, basically. Mm. Uh, the endocannabinoid system is out of whack. So by varying these doses of the THC and the CBD helps bring it back into balance. Depending what they're trying to treat over time, they might be able to bring their dose down to lower. Therefore, it won't cost them as much um, because they've got that tone back. And especially if they've done a lot of other lifestyle modifications as well, mm. it can definitely help mm. uh, with with all of that. Mm. So. We've got someone in the chat room. We've got someone in the, in the chat room, uh, or in the Zoom, or in the chat room? No, no, oh, sorry, in the Zoom. Zoom. Right, okay. Um, put them through. Let's see if we can yep. don you there. Oh, actually, yeah, put those on. Yeah, mate. Yeah. Who have we got? Don. Don. Oh, Don. Long long time, second time, as oh, they say. Oh, yes, Don. So uh, you got a um, yeah, question for so Des. My, yeah, my question is, um, I was uh, a few months ago, I was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, so the non-insulin-dependent diabetes. Now, it means I'm looking at uh, – it means I've cut my carbs right back. I've cut a lot of my fats back. And for the first few months, I was just hungry all the time. Now my body's adapted to it. Um, I'm finding I've, I've lost I've lost a ton of weight. I've gone from like 107 kilos to like 94 in about six months um, just from watching what I'm eating and eating more protein and cutting down on the bad fats and everything. What my question is – is, is there any particular type of foods I should specifically be avoiding or should be eating that the diabetes lady didn't tell me about? Is there anything else that – because I've been eating, for example, um, I've been eating a lot of those little tins of tuna and stuff like that and eating lots of leafy salads and having um, – instead of having processed, for example, powdered mashed potato, I'm actually making mashed potato out of a single potato. Mm-hmm. So I've also cut back my – my meal size is from two or 3,000 calories to about 500 calories, but I'm eating five times a day. So is this sort of the ketosis thing you're talking about, or is this am I having am I going through something completely different because of – because the doctor basically said if I keep going – if I kept eating the food I was eating and the way I was eating, within six months I'd be blind, impotent, and possibly be have limbs amputated. And that got my attention fairly quickly. It would with that. And that that's where, you know, type 2 diabetes can lead to eventually with that – um if you don't do something about it and look you've done a great job in what you're doing you're probably in the middle of where we see like we we get a lot of our clients come to us 
because they've read all the keto blogs and done all this and done all the keto cookbooks and stuff, but they never actually get into ketosis or they're not there for very long. Like going, limiting your amount of calories coming in, yes, you can lose weight doing that, Um, but actually changing how you burn your fuel uh, going into fat burner does make a difference. You don't have to eat five meals a day, as they do say in diabetes. Your blood sugar level will stabilize. Uh, okay. it's, it's, got- it's, it's, it's three major meals and then snacks in between. And yeah. I think that's mostly just so I don't get hungry all, all day. Yes. I think that's the main reason that they got me eating five times a day. So it's, uh, for example, breakfast might be the usual thing. Uh, even for example, breakfast of, um, I've gone from having five or six wheat picks at a time to having two or three with a cup of milk instead of three cups of milk. And even that's even initially I was always hungry and yeah, my body just slowly adapted. And so I'm, I'm can, that sounds high carb to can me. I, can still. I give you a tip? Try <laughs> cutting out the wheat bix all together and you won't be hungry. Oh, okay. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Try, okay. try so having like, we spoke about eating? keto coffee. You don't have to have keto coffee. You can fast. There's a lot, you can have bacon and eggs for breakfast. Um, that well, is better I, for I you have, than a wheat bix. I have, I have toad in the hole about three days a week. Um, but what other cereal would be recommended then rather than wheat mix of oats the, or something? The maybe, best, or the best cereal to have is none. Mm. No, oh, there is really? no good cereal out there. Um, it's oh, like, okay. I'm not like, I, you know, cereal comes, I'm not talking about any of that. I'm talking about what it's, what it's doing to your blood chemistry. Uh, we could, okay. we could, you know, you could have, we could check your, um, you won't be in ketosis, that's for sure, uh, if you're eating that, that style. Mm. Um, but we can help yeah. train with that. Uh, but basically what it is, is we'll test, we can test your blood sugar levels. We can see them, you know, go up as you eat, you know, for up yeah. to 90 minutes afterwards. Then it comes back down if you've got good control. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But you can see, because uh, I've worn blood glucose monitors, um, continuous glucose monitors on my arm. I'm not a diabetic. I like the science. I like to see what different foods, what alcohol, yeah. what being in ketosis does to my blood sugar levels. And then I'll okay. test ketones at the same time. So when you're doing okay, that, cool. if I have a ketogenic meal, my blood sugar levels might go from 4.3 to 4.5. If I eat a high-carb meal, they go from 4.3 up to 6.3 and then back down okay. again. That's okay. spiking that up. It's still within a controlled and what they say normal. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah. you can see the effects of food has on your blood sugar levels. Okay. Um, and we don't need that excess because it's the – Yes, we use it for energy, but we can also use fats for energy. Um, a lot of people, I like to explain it to people like, say you've got um, two pathways. One is being cu- one is really well-worn, the glucose one, the carb fueling. The other one has yep. got covered over with leaves. It's there. It's a process in the body that it can use. You've got to okay. uncover that and wear it down just as much as what the glucose one is. So basically okay. when you can choose to dual fuel your body then, uh, instead of relying just on one way of fueling, you dual fuel your body and you're setting yourself up for the best health that way. I don't believe in full-term ketosis all the time, but there's still not enough studies to say if you're in ketosis full-time, because you're setting your pathways up to do certain things in the body and doing anything for too long, I think, uh, because we have our homeostasis in the body, it yeah. is not a good thing. I think I, that's why I like change. I like cycling things. The body has an amazing way of adapting once you get into a routine. Oh, it is with um, that. And with ketosis, once you're in a routine, that's why the hard, hardest part is that first 10 days. But once you're in ketosis and, and by tracking it, testing it is the way yep. to go because then that when you go to eat something, you're going to then, we get people to track things on an app so they can see how many carbs they're eating. Uh, and you'd be surprised how very little 20 to 30 grams of carbs is. Uh, it is, yeah, it yeah, is a very yeah. small amount and how, that can, how yeah. that can knock you out of ketosis. Des, you had a thing on you that was measuring your blood sugar levels. Mm. So was that a difficult thing to get hold of? Was it a simple thing to just to well, strap about 100 on? bucks. I think it was a, right. a life, lifestyle, I think it was called, okay. um, a glucose monitor. Right. And um, I think they're 100 bucks. You connect it to your iPhone. Yep. You punch it into your arm. It's got a little, little needle. You just punch it in. It doesn't hurt. Um and then you keep that on there for two weeks. Right. It takes an hour to calibrate. And so basically, as long as you're, you, you tap it so many times a day, have a look. It's just really useful before you eat, I reckon that during, would be. after. Yeah. Even if you're not going ketosis. So what I like to do is you can set your blood sugar levels in there. So mm. I had mine set at the lowest. It wouldn't go any lower than 3.9. And mine was lower than that a fair bit of time, especially mm. when I was in ketosis. 
and I've got no issues with it being that low. It's stable. Um, so you can set it for people to go, I want, and give them, give them a, a, some homework to do and say, because it tracks it all, tracks your HbA1c, what it's going to be mm. as it gets more data. Um, you can actually tell people, I want you, like earlier on there might be hard adjusting to carbs. Um, okay, 50% of the time I want your blood sugar levels to lie within this range and you just set it. Mm. The next week you can set it so it's even even um, more stricter with that. Uh, and you can say, okay, let's try and build up to 60, 70, 90% of the time I want you within that range. I reckon that would work well for a lot of people because when you're eating something and you're just going, I don't know if this is having any effect at mm. all. Whereas if you are seeing something on a screen telling you what's happening with your blood sugar levels, I reckon that would be just a motivating thing. To yeah, it makes, it makes a massive difference and mm. you can see what actually changes your blood sugar levels. Mm. You know, stress so in the morning, the, haven't eaten anything, blood sugar levels goes up. Right. It's really interesting what same, affects it. At the same time, I've also started doing weights again and back on the treadmill. Yep. So that's obviously in, improving this whole process as I go. Mm. It, so, it, it, it does. Um, but like they've said in the past, you know, reduce your calorie, increase exercise. Yeah. It, it it works for some, but not for others. It's understanding what's happening in the biochemistry and how you're fueling your body is the okay. biggest thing. And that's why we like to do um, some blood tests on people just to see what's happening uh, with their inflammatory markers, what's happening with their blood lipids okay. to see what is their triglycerides doing. And we now know that, you know, cholesterol is not going to kill us. It's a fuel for, fuel for our body and a fuel to make our sex hormones. Um, so basically we need that. It's uh, LDL. It all depends on um, we can we can do all different analysis on our LDL because you can test in one blood test it will test total LDL. We can break it yeah. down into seven subfractions, and for right. someone's diet, I can basically now predict what that graft is going to look like. And if they're on a high carb diet, they'll have a big red patch right over the top of their um, uh, their other markers in their in yeah. their LDL. So what we call the okay. bad. So, Don, your homework, yeah. just to call back in two weeks and tell us yeah. how you've stopped eating two wheat bix a morning and you're yeah. instead having yeah. um, bacon and eggs or Look, nothing. Eat bacon and eggs. You're or, doing or, well with reducing yeah. your portion size. Yeah. That is that is also good. Yeah, that's, um, yeah. and as I say, for the first couple of months, mm. I was just constantly hungry. But after about the third month, I went, hey, I'm not as hungry anymore. So, mm. And I'm just – if I'm sitting around watching TV, I just don't feel like snacking as much as I used to because – Obviously, my body's gone into some sort of weird thing of, okay, you don't need to be eating every five seconds. So, Yeah, and it is training the body with that, but also your biochemistry. Being in ketosis is definitely helpful, and by okay. testing, then you know exactly where you are. So once you're in ketosis, you tend not to get the How it works, what well, we see with most people, if they're eating the carbs, it's getting into their bloodstream, insulin's trying to get it into their muscles and everything else, their cells. Uh, the rest then has to go and be made and stored as fat. Um, that's okay. just energy to be used for later on. Um, is it is it worth getting next time I go to see my doctor for my next follow up? Is it worth getting her to send me a reference to someone like you to get all these extra tests done, or would she just be able can to do, do otherwise? That just send her lab. Send me an email. I'll give you the list of tests that we usually do, and just get your doctor to do it. But it's understanding. Oh, okay, cool. It's okay. understanding the new approach to cholesterol the new approach to inflammatory markers to actually understand, because a lot just read within the brackets, you're within the brackets, you're okay. We look at optimal uh, biomarkers okay. for optimal health. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. So, yeah, we, we look at that because if someone says, oh, look, your cholesterol's too high, um, we look at cholesterol can be too high. There's different polymorphism states, but um, we look at having higher cholesterol than, than uh, the general... Um, uh, uh, guidelines are for that um, for that reason because they're actually a fuel system and they make your sex hormones we also know that What's it's on? not the cholesterol that actually clogs your arteries it's the actual glycated LDL glycated LDL comes from having too many carbs glycated is glucose every time you're eating those high carbs I'm not saying all carbs are bad we do want to eat some of our good carbs for sure but keep them low um, but at the same time, we don't want to glycate that LDL. The, L the LDL, because it's glycated, the liver's got receptors on it for the LDL. It won't allow it back in, so it just floats around in the bloodstream. It actually gets into the blood vessel wall. It's very tiny, gets in. The proper approach is for that to be cleaned up and be turned into HDL, which is the, considered the good cholesterol. 
Um, within that, the LDL, say, let's just say it happens 2% of the time in a healthy person, so it's never going to clog the arteries. But imagine it's happening 20, 30, 40, 50% of the time. In unhealthy people, that's clogging the arteries. It's forming mast cells. They all get calcified, and that's what's clogging the arteries. That is a normal okay. process that should occur in, say, I don't know what percentage that is, but in a lower amount, it is a healthy process that that should occur, and then HDL comes out the other side. Um, that's not occurring, okay. and that's why most people have high triglycerides. They have high LDLs of the wrong sort, and they have low HDLs because that process isn't working uh, for them. Don, and, if you sorry. understood all of that, I congratulate you. <laughs> sorry, I went too far. I, I, did, I did actually. Okay. It's, okay. it's amazing. Since, since this diabetes thing, um, I've actually been doing – and I understood about 90% of what he said. What he's basically saying is it's – it, the, the the type of fuel you put into your system means the performance that you get. So, for example, if you're driving, say, a 7 Series BMW and you put your regular E10 fuel in it as opposed to the premium fuel, it's going to chug and fart and splutter and do all sorts of nasty stuff. If you put the premium fuel in it, it's it's made to run in those high-performance engines. So by putting the, a better fuel into your system means you're going to get a better performance. If that that is I'm, an analogy that, that you can make, yes, yeah, for sure. And I I like to – look, a lot of people don't realise the food that does go into your body does make a difference because it's all biochemistry mm. and how it's switching yeah. on and off pathways, switching on and off our genes, and that's why there's – oh, we can – you know, there's tonnes to talk about in here, epigenetics, yeah. all the different pathways there, uh, yeah, switching yeah, them on yeah. and off, and that's what uh, is, you know, responsible for a lot of disease states these days. Don, we're going to put you off, and we're going to have a link in the show okay. notes where you can get hold of Des, and, um, and, and and you can pursue that with him down the track. So, right, yep, best of luck, yes. Don. Yep, we have, we have, like you're doing pretty well, though. about a lot of stuff. Yeah, yep. this will be very good. Thanks, yeah. Don. Chat to you next time. Thanks. Okay, yep. Bye. Later. Bye. Okay. No one else in the Zoom room? Okay. Um... I don't see there was any particular questions that were uh, going on in this. Um, uh, uh, the only question was around the organic. Yeah, you didn't. Yeah, I didn't really get that because you're not really saying you haven't really been talking about organic so much. No, have you? no. So it's um, it, it, look. You know. There's. I prefer probably like a spray free or as natural as you can. Hmm. I do think the main reason, if your system is working. At its optimum, all these insecticides and everything else going into your system won't clog it up as much. Mm. Someone who has a highly inflamed system, mm. all these different environmental toxins load them down even more. Mm. So by eating organic, you're taking some of that load off yep. and just trying to... But I also believe in having a look at what your system's actually doing now and how you can upregulate yeah. that as well. So, so you're saying even an organic wheat bix is a bad wheat oh, bix. Yes. So yeah. that's the point. Organic the wheat bix is still a bad uh, wheat bix. Yeah. Uh, any sort of gluten-free muffin a, or whatever is still bad. a slightly pesticidal um, bacon and eggs than a truly organic um, uh, wheat bix. Yeah, well, if I had like, to choose, it's yeah. probably better for my biochemistry, yeah. but as long yeah. as my liver is good at detoxifying... <laughs> Yeah, the, all yep. the residues and everything. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And yep. dear listener, Des isn't a saint. He breaks out and has a pizza yeah, occasionally. So we had some the other night. Yeah, so, yep. yeah, for sure. And and I'll just mention in passing that your other claim to fame is before you became a pharmacist, you were a chef. Yes. Yes. Yep. And I was for, oh gosh, 20 years or something. Yes. Yeah, fair while. Yes. Yep. And if people, today, if people today walk into a pizza capers establishment <laughs> and order a pizza... Some of the pizza recipes were were created by you? Yes. Well, I developed their gluten-free pizza base many, many right. years ago. Right. Um, that was interesting with that. At the moment, I'm trying to do – or well, we already do keto pizza bases, but something right. else that we're doing at the pharmacy to uh, help with still healthy-style food, right. um, but, you know, something in a wrap, so a keto-type wrap we're trying to develop at the moment. Yeah. Um, but yes, the pizza capers did that, did a lot of their pastas, their sauces. Back mm-hmm. when they only had, I think I joined them when they had two restaurants. Yep. I'm not too sure how many they got now. I uh, I couldn't handle 
stuff. I think I was studying, renovating houses, looking after uh, yeah. three kids, um, and plus running a run, running that side of the business as well. Yeah. So yeah, something I had to give. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm. All right. Well, I reckon we've come to the end of a pretty good road here, Des. That was mm-hmm. a good discussion. I thought. Was there anything that you wanted to get out about it that you about any of these ideas that we've missed that? you need to cover or any um, gaps in what we've said in particular? If Maybe just to recap on medicinal mm. cannabis, mm. the change I've seen in my patient population mm. has been quite amazing. Mm. Is that a study? No, but they're doing studies. Mm. Um, but I can say that for my mainstream medications that I dispense every day as well, I don't see that change. Mm. Um, it is a massive change. It's making a big change in the body because it is a multinodal effect over the body versus just working on one receptor. Um, But it's not just, hey, take this and you're going to get better. Mm. It does work for a lot of people that way too, but I'm definitely into changing a diet and lifestyle as we have discussed. Mm. It does make it a synergistic effect, Mm. just like having the full spectrum of medicinal cannabis has that entourage effect. Um, you're You're having a whole lot of things at play which are all together helping rather than just trying to just use one thing, one magic pill. Mm. Medicinal cannabis isn't that magic pill, but it's very useful. Mm. Um, but definitely in combination with uh, all those other things I discussed and also with your um, health professional to be able to go through all those processes with you because there is a fair bit to it. Mm. Right. Once again, uh, I'll put it in the show notes, but where where's your pharmacy again? What's the name? Where is it again? Okay, so it's My Life, My Health Compounding Pharmacy. It's mm. at 157 Wickham Terrace uh, in the city. We've also got a medical practice, My Life, My Health Medical. Uh, we do do medicinal cannabis and integrative medicine there. Um, and we've got a coffee shop at the front, which does keto coffees, <laughs> and we'll be doing low-carb, uh, nutrient-dense food at the start of next year. Well, head in there, grab a keto coffee, and have a look at the robot and say that Trevor <laughs> sent you. <laughs> yep, we'll show you around. That was good, Des. Good on you. Very good. Thanks for coming in. And, um, uh, yes, if you've... First time you've tuned into the podcast, uh, normally panel discussion, we talk about news and politics, sex and religion. It's quite different to this. Go through the back catalogue, have a look at what we talk about. There'll be plenty for us to talk about next week. Um, China and US trade will be at the top of the list. Um, watch us live uh, on Facebook or YouTube and join in in the chat room. And um, it's been good. Thank you very much. Excellent. We will be with you again next week. Bye for now. Night, everyone. Good night. Yeah. Iron fifth and a vibe with love. Oh shit. Well, dear listener, did you enjoy that episode of the podcast? If you did, I've got a favour to ask. Uh, first up, tell some friends. Let them know about the podcast. You'll be discussing something at some time, and you might be repeating something I've said. And when you're talking to your friends, say, hey, I heard this on this podcast and it's worth listening to. And maybe pick an episode that you think's a good one and direct them to it. Like grab their phone and go to their podcast app and search for Iron Fist Velvet Glove and subscribe <laughs> on their behalf on their phone and, uh, and just put the word out. The other thing is you could become a patron and support the show. So if you go to our website, you'll see a link to Patreon and there are some different options for subscribing and paying per episode. And really, the amount that you pay depends on what you get from the podcast. So there's different levels ranging from $1.50 Australian to, I think, $10 and various ones in between. It's really, what do you think it's worth? Is it worth a cup of coffee? Uh, is it worth... More than that, less than that, whatever you get out of it, because not everybody gets the same. Maybe you don't listen to the whole thing. Maybe you never talk about it with people. Maybe you really couldn't care less half the time whether the podcast is there. It just it'll be different for everybody. So if you get a lot out of the podcast, contribute a bit more. If you don't get much, contribute less. But in any event, you can subscribe there. If you don't like the idea of a regular subscription, the website has a link to a PayPal donation. So you could just do a one-off donation every now and again. So there you go. It'd be good to uh, spread the word, get a few more listeners. And that way, look, if we ended up getting more listeners and more money, we could do maybe a second episode or more special episodes, provide some more content. So it's up to you. If you think it's worthwhile, let people know. 
Thanks.